belong, become, believe. You're listening to Grace Church of Northwest Arkansas podcast. The message from May 9th, 2021 is called Making Sense of It All. The speaker is John Ray, and the location is Vesper Point and Mount Sequoia in Fayetteville, Arkansas. Well, welcome again, everybody. If you're listening on podcast, we're really glad that you're with us watching on Facebook Live. As a kid growing up in Austin, we would make regular field trips to this place called the Elizabeth May Museum. Birds. Elizabeth May was a pioneering sculptor around the turn from the 1800s to 1900s. And she did many famous statues across Europe and then eventually immigrated to the United States, ended up in Austin, where she did famous statues of, his, of heroes from Texas history. And there was a time when I was going, I was probably about Jackson, how old are you? 12, I was probably about your age, Jackson, 12, 13. And we would go there and, and they'd have the bust of all these famous people that she had done sculptures from. They'd have the cast that she did, made them from. And one of the things that really fascinated me were death masks. They used to do this when a famous person would die. They would send a sculpture in and they would take a mask of the, of the person's face after they died and maybe make a statue from that later. Like I said, I was about Jackson's age and, and I was starting to deal with mortality. And, and one of the things that really scared me is that I was going to live my life and, and then I would die and then no one would remember me. That I'd just be forgotten. And so I would look at these statues and sometimes I'd go to the graveyard and see who had the biggest gravestone there and think, you know, what do I have to do what do I have to do that, that I won't be forgotten? What is it that I have to accomplish in my life where someone will build a statue to me? What do I have to do where I'll be so important someone will come and, and make a death mask when I die and, and then I won't be forgotten? We all long to live our lives with that kind of meaning, with that kind of purpose, to do something that transcends our fragile and finite state. And while many of us might might outgrow kind of that adolescent longing for a statue or a memorial, we're never truly without the need to have meaning in our life. In our text this week, Isaiah is given a commissioning of sorts that gives just such a transcendent purpose to his life. But it's not just for Isaiah. It's for all of us, as we'll see. Now, as Alex said, we've been digging into Isaiah large chunks. It's a huge book. We have two chapters that we're looking at this week. 49 and 50, as part of our practice as a church, we hope that you'll engage those chapters, read them. We can't read them all here on Sunday morning, so we're going to look at two chunks, 
one from 49 and one from 50, and see what we find. Now, there's some important understanding here as you read this for our interpretation. We need to know that while the prophet says, I, he uses the personal pronoun I, I have been given this task. He's also speaking metaphorically for Israel. So we understand there's a dual meaning when we read this. One is that, yes, this specific prophet Isaiah has been given this task, but also that this is a task that's been given to Israel. In a way, Isaiah the prophet is standing in for Israel. And we see this a lot in the Bible. We see this a lot, particularly in the Old Testament, where one person will assume a role, will personify a role, but it's really meant for all of the people with that. So there's a dual meaning there. There's also a dual meaning in time. Is it where, yes, we have one specific person who is talking about one specific time. He's also prophetically speaking to the future when this is going to happen again in the future. So what he's saying has a, has a meaning for when it was taught, for who it was taught, but it's also projecting that it's going to happen again and really happen in a much greater way in the future. So we have to keep those things in mind when we read this text. Well, let's, let's look. Starting chapter 49, verse 1. Listen to me, you coastlands. Pay attention, you people who live far away. The Lord summoned me from birth. He commissioned me, remember the me, he commissioned me when my mother brought me into the world. He made my mouth a sharp sword. He hid me in the hollow of his hand. He made me like a sharpened arrow. He hid me in his quiver. He said to me, you are my servant, Israel, through whom I reveal my splendor. There's the key, right? It's me, but it's also Israel. But I thought, I have worked in vain. I have expended my energy for absolutely nothing. But the Lord will vindicate me. My God will reward me. So now the Lord says, the one who formed me from birth to be his servant, he did this to restore Jacob to himself so that Israel might be gathered to him. And I will be honored in the Lord's sight, for my God is the source of my strength. He says, now get this, is it too insignificant a task for you to be my servant, to reestablish the tribes of Jacob, to restore the remnant of Israel? I will make you a light to the nations so that you can bring my deliverance to the remote regions of the earth. Now, of course, that's God being a little facetious there when he says, is it too insignificant? It's a rhetorical question. Of course it's not. The answer is, what could be more important? What could be more significant than being a light to the nation, than restoring people to the understanding of the glory of God, understanding that God is the creator, the sustainer, the savior. Nothing. Nothing is more important than that. And again, when we go back, we understand that this was not a commissioning just for the prophet. This was a commissioning for Israel. This was the role they were always supposed to play. And by extension, it is a commissioning for us as well. The people of God, our job is to reflect 
the glory of God to the nations. As witness, as way, as healing. And we talked about this a little bit last week. The difference between idolatry and being an idol or being an icon. And it's so important that we get this. When we get our, when we get our way bent, when we operate from our flesh, what we end up doing is being making idols of ourselves and idols and being idolaters of other things. Whereas our calling, our created order, our created purpose is to be an icon, something that reflects, something that is made in the image of that points back to the creator with that. Both as individuals and as a church, we are called to be an icon of Christ. We are called to reflect the glory of God, that when God, when people see us, they see something of God in us. Not of ourselves, not of our own strength, not of our own talent, but something of God in us that leads to healing and freedom with that. We see that this has also always been about all of creation, not just Israel. Maybe one of the biggest one of the worst corporate sins we commit is making this message just for us and keeping it from other people. Making it just about my comfort, my convenience, my salvation, my tribe, my people, my country, whatever, my church. Constantly, God is speaking and saying, no, this is a light for all nations. This is for all people everywhere with that. But if we stopped there, just with the commissioning, just with the purpose, I think we would be quickly overwhelmed at the task. I mean, Jennifer, Justin, you feel up to that? (laughs) They joined us on the teaching team this week. We had a great time. Um, And I really appreciate your involvement, but like, right? Like who could live up to that? You going to do it, Tim, Laura? You guys, you got it, you got it figured out. You got it handled and be able to, right? Like it can be overwhelming. It's exciting, but it's also overwhelming with that. But, but we see this answer coming. So we go down, we go down to verse chapter 50, starting at verse four. Now, here's the other thing that we're going to see. So I mentioned that the prophet takes on the role. He personifies Israel, but he's also projecting or describing someone who's going to come in the future who's not him. And this is a Christian church. You can guess who that's going to be, right? It's not a trick question. It's not Santa Claus. Well, let's read. It says, the sovereign Lord has given me the capacity to be a spokesman so that I know how to help the weary. He wakes me up every morning. He makes me alert so that I can listen attentively as disciples do. The sovereign Lord has spoken clearly to me. I have not rebelled. I have not turned back. I offered my back to those who attacked, my jaws to those who tore out my beard. I did not hide my face from insults and spitting. But the sovereign sovereign Lord helps me. I am not humiliated. For that reason, I am steadfastly resolved. I know I will not be put to shame. 
The one who vindicates me is close by. Ultimately, even though the prophet didn't know the name Jesus, the prophet was speaking of Jesus. The prophet was speaking of the Messiah, the one who would come, who would win not by violence, but by love. Who would overcome not by force, but by submission and invitation. Not by demanding his own rights, but by laying down his rights with that. We see the personification of the Messiah here. And that's what gives us hope. That's why we know we don't have to do it on our own. We know we're not left alone. We've been shown a way. Jesus has come and done what the prophet did in part. Jesus did in whole. Jesus came so that what Israel did in part, the church can do in whole. That we can do these things. A way has been made for this. And that's, that's what keeps us from quitting. That's what, what keeps us from being overwhelmed with the task. So, um, I got up this morning and I walked in the bedroom and I, and I told Jane, I said, Jane, it's Mother's Day. So I really think you need to preach this morning. <laughs> she wasn't having any of it. She's at home right now with our, our dog who's having troubles. But um, she laughed at me and she goes, well, why don't you want to preach? Why, why, what's the deal? I said, because how can I stand up and preach this? I mean, who am I? Who am I to, to say this? I'm not worthy. I'm not capable. I can't, I can't do this. If you knew my history, if you knew what I thought, if you knew what I struggled with, if you knew my doubts, if you knew how I, how I acted when I'm in pain or when I'm tired or when I'm selfish, like I, I can't do this. But she wouldn't get out of bed. She wouldn't take on the task. So here I am. And the truth is, right, none of us could do that. None of us could do that. Our hope isn't in our own righteousness. Our hope isn't in our own effort. Our hope isn't in our own sense of accomplishment or worth. Our hope is in Jesus, who's done this, who calls us to this. Is it not too insignificant a task that this is what we're called to do? To be this light, to be this witness, to, to walk as icons among the world? See, these images of the prophet form Jesus' imagination and ministry, and they need to form ours as well. The more we understand that God is the hero of the story, the one working, the one who saves and brings order and justice, the more we can properly understand our own lives. Jesus, as the ultimate witness, shows us the way and empowers us in the way. Doesn't just say, hey, there's the way, walk in it. No, he walks with us in that way. We talked about how 
at the start of this study that the main thing is that God is the hero of Israel, not the people, not the prophet. God's the hero, not us. God is working and has called us, both as individuals and as the church, as Grace Church, to be witnesses and messengers of God's saving and restoring work, to be icons of the eternal God and Jesus the Messiah. And this purpose is what's to permeate every bit of our being. Jennifer, as we were talking this morning, or preparing for the message, she said that God is emphasizing God's promises are bigger than just Israel, bigger than their specific circumstances. We see this time and time again, right? One of the ways that we get lost is we diminish our calling. We are called to do this. This gives purpose and meaning for all of creation. It draws things together. Look, it's been a, it's crazy to say, right? It's been a difficult few months. Uh, This past year has presented some challenges. But there is no more difficult thing than this. Much more difficult than pandemics, than all the things that we've encountered. I believe the most difficult thing to do is to receive the limitless love of God. I don't think there's a more difficult thing for a human being to do than to allow themselves to be loved by God as God loves us. Limitlessness, boundless affection of God for all of us. That is the ultimate thing that restores. That's the ultimate thing we bear witness to. That's the thing that is the light. We all either want to earn it or we all want to disqualify ourselves from what we've done because of what we've done, because of who we are. And God says, no, I is it too small a thing for me to do this for you? That's the question. It keeps resonating. Is it too small a thing to have this God love you like God loves you? This is what gives purpose to our life. This is why we go out. This is why we we give all of our affection, our attention, our allegiance to God and God alone. And that orders our lives. Alex mentioned while we were preparing that Our biggest downfall is we constantly fail to just get out of ourselves. We just, we get caught up in all that's wrong or right or whatever with us. And we, we, we don't get out of ourselves. We don't see God as God is and who God is towards us. And then finally, we have to deal with the reality of the dark times, right? Okay, great. God, I've done that. I love you. I'm I'm following you. I believe in Jesus. Why have all these things happened in my life? Why the bankruptcy? Why the divorce? Why the death? Why the cancer? Why just the general listlessness? The languishing? Why is it that I dreamed of so many things and I've gotten so few, it seems? 
Or why is it that I've been blessed, but the people I love suffer so much? You see, even in that, though, this calling brings meaning to it. Even in those darkest of times, those biggest of trials, knowing that we have been called to reflect back the light of the glory and the love of God to others, it it robs them of their destructive power. And I'm not diminishing the pain from any of it. As a matter of fact, it may be more painful when you encounter this. When you, when you find the courage to face it. No longer to run from the darkness or the pain. But you really face it. And it may actually be more painful. But you're given the strength to endure it because there's purpose in it. Purpose can come from it. As we find our place and our calling in being these witnesses, being these icons of all that God is and all that God is doing. God is the hero of the story, y'all. Working for all people everywhere. There's no one that God loves less. God has never forsaken us and never will. God is working even in the darkness. And as we reflect this, we find meaning and purpose. At Grace Church, we primarily bear witness to God in what we do, how we interact with others, especially those who are not like us. One of the primary works of the church is to be a reconciling community where people who were formerly ignored or taken advantage of or even hated and killed come together in love. This starts with extending hospitality and creates true belonging. Through this practice, both the person extending and the person receiving is transformed. Our faith is informed and strengthened as we experience more and more of the presence of God among us. Look, y'all, I'm pretty sure at this point in my life, no one's going to make a statue of me. Now, I do live in a very artistic household, and I wouldn't put it past one of my daughters to do something with my face after I'm dead. But it's not going to be on a display in a museum anywhere. But I found something more. I found something so much greater than just a marble statue on a, on a stand somewhere to live for. It's to live to see the truth of the love and salvation of God extended in this world. This place of incredible beauty and brokenness. This is what we're called to do, church. Is it too small a thing? I don't think so. Thank you for listening to Grace Church of Northwest Arkansas podcast. You can find more about us online at gracechurchmwa.org. Grace and peace.